0: to Graphic Policy Radio, the pod comics podcast for people who know that if there is a flower zombie apocalypse, it will probably be Monsanto's fault, and we should get our petitions ready right about now. Uh, joining me on the show today, in fact, to talk about the future flower apocalypse in the form of a comic book, are the creative team behind the new Black mass comic series called The Wilds. Um, that means we're being joined by Vida Ayala and Emily Pearson. What hey. is The Wilds? Hey. Hey. Okay. How's it hey. Going? <laughs> Good. I'm going to give them the promo text, and then we'll get you guys talking about it. After a catastrophic plague sweeps across America, survivors come together to form the city-state-like communities for safety. Out beyond the development walls are innumerable dangers, feral animals, crumbling structures, and abominations. Those that were touched by the plague and become something other- Something as beautiful as it is deadly, welcome to The Wilds, a brand new comic series. We are joined by the writer and penciler of this hot series from Black Mask Studios. Uh, Vita Ayala spent years in comics and book retail and night security at one of the oldest museums in New York City before taking the plunge and entering the Thunderdome lifestyle that is pursuing a career in the arts. They have since written for DC Comics, including the Rebirth Wonder Woman Annual, Rebirth Supergirl 19, which folks really need to pick up. It's a super important comic. We may mention this in a few moments. Uh, Dark Horse Comics, Secret Love of Geeks, and Image Comics, Bitch Planet Triple Feature Number 4, as well as having a creator-owned book, The Wild, which is what we're talking about today. And Vita also wrote um, a one-off, its uh, not a one-off, a two-off comic about m- my favorite anti-hero, uh, the Amanda Waller, the wall herself, over for DC Comics. And also joining us is Emily Pearson, who is the penciler on the series. Before coming to Black Mask, Emily attempted to study at art at her local junior college after deciding to drop out, which was a good decision. She took on commissions and learned how to draw comics. Since then she has illustrated Vault Comics Cult Classic, Zero Short, written by Elliot Rahel. Ooh, I've heard of his stuff and I've heard it's very good. And All Roads <laughs> to Jacob, written by Jed McPherson. So welcome to the show, both of you. Hey.
1: Thanks for
2: having us. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah. I um my uh I've known Vita through Vita's sibling, Danny, who is my official comics store uh sales dealer. Basically my dealer. Basically Danny is the person who sells me the goods when I need them and and brings me the comics, drugs that I need on a regular basis and um, was also actually my (laughs) husband's Game Magic the Gathering game store dealer as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I feel like I'm sort of close to your family anyway, even though I think you and I have only (laughs) met a handful of times, but um, it's great to have you back on the show again. (laughs) Uh, it's
1: great to be back you are like the ultimate hype person it's great i I feel like i should just use that soundbite whenever i have to do an introduction for myself
2: oh
0: yeah totally happy happy to be there for that sort of need you know i i think one of the important things about having a comics podcast is really helping people find comics that i think that they'll like and this you know is right up in there um you know we're always looking for comics that we think that folks who maybe aren't super engaged in reading stuff right now might be into. And what you guys have here is a, is a series that has some really interesting, unique protagonists, including a lead who is a queer woman of color. You have really lovely, lush looking art that's really unique in its style, but also really decipherable and just these super haunting images that I haven't really seen show up anywhere else. And, um, you know, zombies are a big thing right now, but I- I've never seen zombies like this. So, do you guys want to tell me a little bit about um, how you guys came up with the uh, the idea for the wild?
1: Uh, Emily, you you take this one. I feel like I always give the give the pitch.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, um, coming up with the idea, we kind of just when our, uh, Vita and I wanted to work with each other and. Um, Vita talked to me about all these different stories they had and different story ideas um and I think it was way different back then. you know, I didn't have any flowers on leaves, and um the world was wasn't kind of it, it was different from what it ended up being um but mm-hmm. I feel like that that general story the best, so we started going with that, and then uh Vita asked me what I like to draw and Um, I'm really into nature, and I said I also was interested in maybe drawing mutations or something like that. So (laughs) Vita (laughs) completely rewrote just a lot of the story to accommodate that. And um, yeah, a lot of elements came together, and we started talking about different stuff. I don't know how we came across the idea of the the abominations, the, the flower zombies, but it just kind of happens.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about that cuz we get asked that particular question about the about the zombies a lot and I'm always like, "God, I can't remember who did it." And I think we both I was panicking um because I had to figure out how to put mutation into this in a visual way that wasn't completely grotesque. Um mm. I think the gross stuff is cool, but like uh I think it's been done and then I think yeah. Emily and I were talking about playing video games and just, like, the video (laughs) games we like to play. And, like, I think we were talking about, like, really pretty stuff in video games. And out of that, like, we both were like, we really like to play, like, Last of Us and, like, all this. Oh, that is really cool. And then that chemical reaction of the two of us just talking about something completely different kind of helped that, I think. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. That's the closest you know, I, I can I, nail yeah. it down,
0: though. <laughs> like, I feel like, you know, I have no... in. I, I've i been a zombie... I've been a 1950s uh, nuclear family zombie for Halloween. I've done costumes and makeup <laughs> for a really hilarious short zombie movie back, like, it must have been, like, 12 years ago or more now. I And I'm so bored of zombies, but you guys have introduced this really interesting world, um, you know, that I, I think, like the environment that you're writing with these characters in, I I kind of associate a little bit with some of the Roger Corman stuff, but the aesthetics Mm. are completely different. You guys are really connecting, like, for folks who haven't seen the comic, like, go do a little Google image search, look at this profile uh, we did for the show. These disturbing, uncanny images of these sort of serene, almost-looking human faces with plants and flowers growing out of their bodies, the way, yeah, like mutations, like growths, and... um, It's completely a new take on it. I think it sort of has like a nature-gone-wild, sort of an uncanny nature-gone-wild feeling going on that I haven't gotten from anything I've seen for a long time.
1: I think for me, um, one of the things that really freaks me out about zombies um, kind of on a thematic level and always has um, is the consumption, right? So they're consuming not just people, but they're just ravaging whatever they come into contact with. Um, And then I I made that connection with nature somehow. And it was through some conversation I was having with Emily. Um, But the idea that like nature, nature does not care about humanity. Given the chance, nature will just take Mm. everything back over again and we will never see the ruins of whatever was there before. Very quickly, nature will consume. Um, And I wanted like, for me, when Emily was sending me, like, the, the concept stuff uh, for the abominations, I was like, oh, this is exactly reflecting what I had in mind uh, with using nature in that way. That was cool.
2: <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. it's really interesting. Vita um, and I kind of, like, we, we went over, like, a different ways to betray it, but I think we just kind of had the same idea in our heads without really talking about it. Um, It was kind of clear that, like, you know, the abominations kind of being a part of nature, like, taking back the world, uh, really became clear with that. Mm. And uh, we lucked out, too,
1: because Emily's mom is a horticulturalist, apparently, which is pretty awesome. So Emily has
2: all this (laughs) experience with plants.
0: Oh wow. Oh my oh, gosh. That is so fortuitous. That's fortuitous. <laughs> I,
2: I never run out of like plants to, to draw now because I just I, I screw just up knowing every single thing, so it's uh it's I mean my mom's pretty pretty happy about it. So. <laughs> oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah, I'm curious yeah. Like, yeah. what do people who work with plants think about the plant apocalypse, you know? <laughs>
2: I, don't, I think she's not too into like the gore part of it, but you know, the, the, the flower zombies is pretty nice. I uh,
1: I got I started getting tagged in a bunch of annihilation stuff, which is maybe the coolest thing.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, what is annihilation? Excuse my video gaming ignorance here.
2: So oh, annihilation is actually
1: a movie based off of a book by the same name. Um, and I don't want to spoil any of the stuff for people who haven't read it or seen it because it's come out. The movie came out very, very recently, but it's starring Tessa Thompson and Natalie Portman and Gina Rodriguez. Um, but there's some real aggressive nature <laughs> reclaiming things in in the movie. Uh, and I sat down in the theater and I saw it, and I was like, I bet as soon as I leave the theater, I'm going to have Twitter notifications, <laughs> and I was not wrong.
2: <laughs> I can think yeah, it's something I still in the water, seen it yet.
0: you know, like the fact that you're thinking about this now and the movie coming out now, and there's 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 something that's making this feel really topical at the moment, you know.
2: Yeah, and um, I mean, I've I i do not know, I don't know if it's just a, it's just a, cause you know the wild is always on my mind, but like uh, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of. Floral horror recently, like um, like uh, just with the wilds, and I think there's a couple comic books I read recently that have like body horror with plants and stuff like that. So it's really cool to see because it's a a concept I really like. But yeah, I'm not sure if it's just <laughs> me having like the the um, the wild tunnel vision, or if it's just actually been a more prominent thing lately. What do you, do you guys see much with the, uh, that fungus
0: that um, infects insects and takes over their brains and makes their bodies grow mushrooms out of them? And oh, yeah, that was a
1: and... huge inspiration for me <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> when thinking about this, for sure. I, when I was t- thinking about the virus, and Emily and I went back and forth a little bit about this, but mm-hmm. I, that's, I was trying to think of a way to make it make sense even though it's a thing that is clearly fictional. Um, and I kind of fell on that. Um, and there are a couple of other bacteria and viruses that kind of make you act in very specific and peculiar ways. Um, but, the yeah, the image of, like, the ants with, like, the mush- like mushrooms erupting from their skull is definitely four a lot of
0: What's so compelling about <laughs> zombie stories in general for for us, do you think? Um, this is a.
1: I think we get asked this a lot, and I have a couple of answers. But I'm I'm really interested to hear what Emily has to say about this for sure.
2: Um, that's a hard question because it's like uh, there's so many there's so many like zombie stories, and there's so many ways it can be overdone. But it's just I feel like people really like the apocalypse setting, and I feel like having something like zombies or just like some sort of threat level like that that's constantly around the world is, is really interesting for uh characters to deal with 'cause it 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 makes it so like there's a situation where the characters are never safe. And um mm. I don't know. Yeah, so it, it's it's I think people really like seeing stories that you know, our zombies uh, have zombies in them, or something like that, because it's it can bring out these really interesting character-driven moments. Um, and yeah, I don't know, it's it's really interesting. It's a lot of what happens in the Wilds too. Is there's is, this story is very heavily character-driven, and I love that. So it's mm-hmm. it's really nice to uh, you know work on that.
0: So yeah, I guess you know when you're inventing all comic whole cloth and you're you're not you know you're not doing something for the big two, you're in a thing where you're not looking for DC or Marvel for this. This is your own invention. You can have anybody, anyone in the world be in it. How do you guys develop the cast of characters that you that you highlight?
1: Um, so when I, I think about things like this, I think about like a D and D party and kind of what you would need <laughs> to kind of function. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I kind of move on from there. Clearly, the there's no magic or anything like that in the wild. But I think, all right, well, you're going to need someone that kind of uh, tells the jokes and inspires people, kind of like the bard. And you're going to need someone that support, you know, like the whomever, like the the mage or whatever. And you're going to need someone that uh, that is at the forefront in there, like the ranger or whatever. Um, I always think about that. But more in terms of in terms of personalities, what dynamic Mm. you know, group dynamic is going to be the most interesting and will cause the most trouble in any particular situation.
2: I like Um, it. I'm never going to be able to look at the runners the same way. I was just trying to try and figure out who's Rangers, right?
0: I mean, with that, the runners being like, you know, the, the, um, the main character class, as it were, that we're introduced to in the first issue, um, the main character, Daisy, she, she's a runner. I mean, she seems like, yeah, like she's a ranger if you're going to get D&D character class on us. Does that sound about right?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. D- Daisy's my <laughs> ranger. Um, it's a little bit serious, but only because it helps her survive. But there's a real, like, squishy core in there. <laughs> she knows her way around outside. Um And she's very – she's actually much more comfortable out there doing what she does than she is amongst, you know, the people of the compound. Not amongst runners. She's comfortable around the other runners. But she feels much more like herself when she is out in the wild, I think. Um, So, Hmm. yeah. Well,
0: that's interesting. And then her love interest. Tell me a little bit more about her. Heather, Yeah. She's my favorite character <laughs> uh
1: she's real wily i she she definitely is the kind of person that will just tell you what she's thinking. It's not that she can't be quiet; it's just that she has no reason to. She can back up whatever <laughs> she says with like with her actions, so she's really not concerned about like anything like in particular happening to herself. She is an incredibly competent runner. She's probably the actual best that they have. Um, But at this point, she's only sticking around because Daisy is staying. She's really she wants to move on, um, but she won't leave Daisy behind. They don't say the L word at all. (laughs) Probably not in the probably not till later in the series. But they definitely love each other. Yeah. Awesome. It's hard it's a hard thing to say when you could die at any second. So um but there's definitely a lot of a lot of love. Yeah, Heather's
2: Heather's just cool. Heather's <laughs> <laughs> like the like the hot girl in class and you just you just want to talk to her but she's so intimidating and it's like
0: it's like yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's 100%. I've uh, it. projected years of, like, that feeling into, like, this one character.
0: Well oh, that's um, interesting. I mean, I definitely think that there's, like, a lot of dynamics in the comics where you sort of have the protagonist, but everybody, like, but their partner is the one that you're like, you know. But Daisy makes really a, quite a big... Uh, appearance as a complete badass, well-established in, in the first scene of the comic, really.
1: I, I, you know, I usually don't like protagonists, um, because I feel like that they, in any particular thing, are mostly a plot device to get us through, or, like, a perspective to get us through. But I actually really like Daisy, um, especially, ha- you know, seeing Emily and Marissa really bring her to life, Uh when I'm writing, to me, it seems a little flat, and then I see what my partners do, and I'm like, oh, this is like a fully rounded person. Um, the amount of <laughs> acting that Emily is able to kind of really portray on the page is really something special, very nuanced. And then Marissa is an actual wizard with colors. So, Oh, my God. Oh, my God, absolutely.
0: <laughs> the colors on this are just really beautiful, just straight up.
1: Yeah, uh, it's breathtaking. Uh, Emily, like she said, is very interested in nature. And uh, Marissa, I've, I would, just from looking at the work that she does on this, I would assume that she also is very into nature because the amount of care that she puts into all of the colors is really something special.
2: Yeah, Marissa oh. knows how to, like, just light up uh to light up a forest, or just any like scene really well, and set the mood to the the scene of the of the um, what's going on in the comics, and it it really makes a huge difference. Like you don't think about color that much, but it it just it it makes you know the book what it is. Oh, yeah, I think something like this especially like
0: you can really see how much space there is for that. And the are used some striking reds coming out of people's faces that are not the same reds that we usually see exploding out of people's faces. <laughs> um, and much, much more. I mean, you have like a million different greens in here, but yeah, she's definitely one of those colorists that I think people really stand up and take notice um, of oh. her work on the books and stuff like that. Yeah. She's, um, and, how did she's you do that amazing. How did, she really is so I mean so how, yeah, how did you guys first connect actually? Uh, Twitter. <laughs> Twitter.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Excellent yeah, millennials. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we were just following each other on Twitter and we started talking. Um we we uh talked about doing a story together comic. So yeah, it just kind of it happened uh very, very slowly and then, like, all at once. So it was pretty nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, uh, comics is hurry up and wait. Um, but this was the opposite. It was like, uh, maybe, oh my god, go, go. Uh,
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, Emily does, uh, I think you just opened a store, right? She does these amazing Overwatch, like, prints. And mm, yeah. I am a huge fan of Overwatch, uh, just as a franchise, <laughs> but also, uh, Emily's take on like Tracer and Farrah are fucking amazing. Oops, excuse the language. Uh, freaking <laughs> amazing. Oh, it's totally fine.
0: It's totally fine. Okay, cool. Curse away.
1: Okay, excellent, excellent. It is, I'm sweating trying to hold back the curses, so that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Emily Emily posted a bunch of like really cool fan art, and I was like, oh, shit. Uh, I got to just tell this person that they're great, and then it just spun off from there.
0: Oh, wow. And how did you guys approach black black mask studios i I know Vita has some other work from them coming out as well, but uh I'm sure folks would be interested in hearing more about how that went down uh
1: it was actually just through that um the other project that I'm working on um is going to need a little more time to kind of bake and I was like, hey, I have these you know this other thing, and here's who's you know I want to attach to it, and you know they were very, very, very supportive. Uh, yeah. So,
0: yeah. Awesome. And then, like, I guess my, you know, Vita was on the show earlier. We had an amazing conversation around the Amanda Waller Suicide Squad mini back then. Uh, and I encourage folks to check out that episode as well. I'd love to hear from you, Emily, about your origin in comics, your your superhero origin backstory of learning how to make comic art and how did you first get into comics in the first place as an interest?
2: Um, I, I don't remember how I I picked up comics. I used to read a lot of books, um, just a lot of paperbacks. And I think I was in Barnes and Noble or something like that. And, uh, I was like watching a lot of Batman movies at the time, so I picked up like some Batman comics or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was just like, wow, this is so cool. Like, I love this. And so, um, because like the 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 format of just reading a comic, like I could just read like the worst comic in the world, and I would I would still love it because it's just so much fun to read. Um, and so just uh, yeah, I was really into art, and so uh. I read a lot of DC, Batman stuff at the beginning, just kind of got interested in doing comic book art. Um, And then I started uh, probably learning how to draw comics about three years ago or so, and this is my first published book, which is pretty cool. Um, Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean,
0: like, how did you learn how to, you know, I you see so much amazing fan art and beautiful pin-ups, and I think really turning those into being able to do sequentials, which is something that you do an amazing job of in this. You, you know, there's a flashback scene in this issue that really builds some tension and humor in it, and um, the staging of where we first see Daisy in action. You know, you, you're definitely someone who knows how to do sequential art. Like, how, how did you learn how to
2: do that kind of thing in your own work? Oh, man, Uh, I did commissions for about a year or two before I did the wilds, and, you know, um, it's just, like, the commissions were, like, very, very terrible for a while before, like, I, I realized, you know, like, how to draw sequentials, and it's just, like, a matter of, like, Practicing drawing everything um I think figures is probably the most important, and that's what I spend the most time on um but uh besides the figures like faces and uh you know um like uh, backgrounds and stuff like that, so it's just I don't know if you spend if you spend enough time learning how to draw everything eventually when you have a reference, you'll be able to draw it a little bit easier, it's, it's not like, uh, I'm not sure how to put it right. If you just draw everything long enough, um, drawing something new for the first time isn't so hard anymore, so you, you eventually get used to all the things you need to learn for comics. And
0: you definitely are working I think, Well,
1: Oh, sorry about that. I was going to say, okay, uh, Emily, you definitely do really interesting layouts for panels and stuff. So one of the things Mm. that I really liked before we started working together was your kind of layout work. Um, Is that something that you, like, you just saw a bunch of stuff that you liked and you kind of, like, went from there, or is that intuitive to you? (laughs) No, I I
2: read a lot of comic books. I just kind of, uh, I don't know, I'm really interested in different layouts. Like, I think it's really fun to try to, especially, like, overlapping layouts, which I know would make... Any colorists hate me, but um it, it's just really fun to like try and figure out like the way different artists will tell a page or something like that, and kind of because uh, I think one of the hardest things to learn when you're drawing the comic is how to fill the space for the panel, and so if you have like uh, a page that's like has like three or four establishing shots in it or something like that, that can be really difficult to do. So if you have a good page layout and you you have enough just enough space for what's going on in each panel, it, it kind of does its own job. Um, but yeah, just I mean the layouts was just looking at other artists that I really liked and seeing like okay, well they kind of like uh, put like long panels, like two long panels next to each other, or something like that. So I'm gonna try something like that. So yeah, I mean it's just kind of like. <laughs> seeing what other people do that I like, so I try to pretend that I'm them. Wow. Okay. Like so yeah,
0: who are your big art influences?
2: Uh, oh my god. Um I like Sean Murphy a lot and Fiona Staples. Uh mm. uh Craig Puccini is really good. Um I have a lot <laughs> I could go on forever, but uh just I like stuff that's like I like everything, but I like stuff a lot that's, like, semi-realistic and um, has really interesting line weight to it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
0: I feel like, you know, looking at your style, I I sort of think about US comics, like there's sort of three big changes that have happened in my lifetime as a reader. Like there's what happened when really you first see the... uh, the influence of anime and manga in in art um, and then there's the uh switch to really like having the digital uh, process be at the center you know of of drawing um, and i I think like early digital art looks like shit and I'm so glad that we're beyond that now but um but there's still a lot of I still, uh, I on balance, I'm generally prefer a lot of things that are hand drawn because I'm old school and my 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 taste got set in stone when I was younger. But I think like there's just something really elegant and painterly about your your work here, and I I think it might be it might be the line weights. I hadn't even thought about those being the reason I, I might be particularly liking it. But you also have a certain amount of detail, you know that. I know a lot of artists don't have time to put in and then I don't like art when it doesn't have those things. <laughs> so so that's definitely <laughs> something that works for me here in your work as well. Sorry, I didn't get that last part. What did you say? Oh, so that's definitely stuff that, uh, that, that I, that I am attracted to in your work as well. Like I think that you, oh, you have yeah. to detailed. It's not cartoony. I mean, you're not doing hyper realist stuff either, which I'm actually not crazy about it either, but, um, but you're, but you, it's not cartoony. It's not shorthand. It's, it, it's 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 to coin a
2: phrase. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I don't know. It's just like a. If you just talk to any artist and you ask them like, "Who are your favorite artists or what are your favorite comic books?" Um, it, it's just their style will be like a mash of everything they like, and so um, yeah. Like I I just like a lot of, a lot of stuff that's like. You know that's kind of illustratory, and that's uh, not like super realistic, but not super cartoony either. I like to do cartoony stuff every now and then, but for for a book like the Wild, I'm not sure if that would work too well. Um, no,
0: we could do <laughs> a dream sequence and a super exist. cartoony.
2: <laughs> yeah, like,
0: actually, that's true. The Plants the <laughs> Zombies already exist, so we have a cartoony version of that has has been covered already. And any, I mean, yeah, so, I you
2: had, guys did. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I had a couple different. Um, when Vida and I started working on the comic together, I had a couple different pages on my website that were like some cartoony, like uh, sequentials. And then Vida was just like, "Hey, um, can we do like the semi-realistic stuff for the world? It's just, like I, I think that would fit the story better. I'm like, "Yeah, th- don't worry about it." <laughs> like, <laughs> totally. I mean. It takes,
0: like, a lot more time, right, to when you're moving farther away from a cartoony style, yeah? Like, how much more time have yeah. to do to make a page when you're doing this level of detail?
2: Oh, man. Um, I I want to say, like, twice of one, because it's, yeah. like, cartoony, yeah, cartoony stuff. It's, like, a you can kind of... Like, if you have a problem with a, the anatomy on a figure, you don't have to get it correct. You can just kind of, like... Uh, you can just kind of mess around with it, and it it will still look fine because it's a cartoon, and um, and you don't have to, because it's like if something's slightly off, it, it it's not noticeable because it's simplified. But with a, with a style that's like slightly more realistic, like the more realistic it gets, like, the more accurate it has to be, so um, it just it just takes more time, but yeah, I don't yeah. know, I. It's different for everyone, I think. I think some people are faster with uh, cartoons, and then some people kind of find it hard to stylize uh, different, like, scenes that you would see realistically, like anatomy or backgrounds or whatever it is. Hmm.
0: I guess I just sort of look at a lot of the really cartoony stuff sometimes, and I, I look at it, and it's hard for me to not sort of have this uh, – you know, I, I, I've I been a union organizer, like, labor analysis, and be like, ah, yes, well, the artist producing this work doesn't have time to do greater detail, and thus I am denied the ability to look at a character that has the level of, of detail that I so desire in my art, and therefore, <laughs> you know, I can bring it back to, like, a critique of capitalism and how workers should get paid more money. Like, that's just stuff that all kind of together <laughs> for me. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely, something like, I just love the way the flowers and plants erupt out of people's faces in this, like, really boundary-breaking kind of way. Like, you you can't really quite see where Mm -hmm. they're coming from in terms (laughs) of, like, where does the skin end and the flower begin. And that's, like, way more uncanny and disturbing, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, Emily 100% hit that. Like, I hadn't put that in the script, right? Uh, But the Mm. idea part of the idea was that literally these people, like there are plants growing out of them, but they're kind of almost becoming the plant. Um, so that's part of the mutation. Uh, and I was like, I don't know how to convey that. So I'm just going to nod and whatever she draws is just going to be fine. And then <laughs> she like just did it. I was like, all right, apparently I'm psychically connected to this person. So that's cool.
0: <laughs>
1: there's, a, there's a scene in the preview pages um, from the first issue. Uh, where one of the abominations takes another one that has been killed and puts it against the tree. And then Mm -hmm. the plant starts to spread up the tree. And like that, that was perfect. Like that is exactly (laughs) the kind of eerie ass feel that you need to have, or it's like, even the very ground and trees cannot be
0: trusted. Mm. (laughs) A friend of mine, uh, who is a uh, comics writer artist himself? Ethan did a talk back when the Morbid Anatomy was its own like museum of Gothic horror in New York City uh, about <laughs> zombies. And I think one of the things he said was that like our fear of zombies has to do in some ways with the fear of our fears of our body's boundaries breaking down and what's mm-hmm. inside being outside.
2: And oh, I really definitely. saw
0: that yeah. and the disordered yeah. body and ugh.
1: Yeah, kind of, that yeah. that that physical revulsion is not just like it's a corpse. Um, that's part of it, but yeah, definitely just like the the image of your own self as you are trapped within it, becoming that thing, is truly like horrific.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's so a worry. Something... I think. Sorry, <laughs> I keep interrupting ahead, you. Um, no, please. The, yeah, we here was... to hear you talk. One <laughs> of the scary things uh, that I thought. in the wilds is just, like, uh, like, you can't really stop it, like, but if, if nature just wants to, like, make everyone into these terrible plant, like, human things, like, you can't really do anything about it, so it's just, uh, oh, it's just, that's the scariest part of it, is, like, the abominations themselves are, you know, they're, they're creepy, but, like, just seeing that they're gonna, like, you know, use each other to make to make the world like take itself back again. It's just like I, mm. there's nothing you can do about that. So, <laughs> yes, so what are you guys
0: sort of favorite zombie works of fiction or comics or video games or you know zombie media?
1: Um. I'm a huge fan of the genre, mostly because it scares the crap out of me and I like to know my enemy. Uh, so mm. I'm a huge fan of, like, the Resident Evil franchise, just, you know, the games mm. and the movies, mostly the first couple of movies. Um, but, yeah, those those first couple of movies, first couple of games. The, I remember watching the first movie in theaters And first of all, I forgot it was a zombie movie halfway through, right? So that we're following these characters and we get so involved in kind of their drama and the tension of just what they're doing that you forget, oh, yeah, there's going to be corpses that come alive and try to eat them (laughs) later. Um, But I really love, and this is something that isn't as possible in the wild, but I do have an eye towards where in the first Resident Evil movie, uh, just like in the games, you're stuck in the perspective of these characters. You can't leave. Uh, um. every time they cut it they cut a scene it just circles around and whoop, we're right back with them and there's nowhere to go um so that is one of my favorite things because a lot of zombie stuff kind of it's like and it's everywhere in the world and it's like all right like that's a lot for me to conceptualize but just this kind of pocket of you know the drama unfolding uh is one of my favorite things um And then there's this game called Last Night on Earth, which is incredible. Um, And it's a, like, it's an asymmetrical uh, competitive board game where, like, one player will be zombies and the other players will be, like, the heroes. Um, And each side has different goals and different cards that they use to, like, fight each other and stuff. And it comes with, like, a soundtrack and all this really cool stuff. And it's just really ridiculous, immersive like, board game, where you literally have little pieces you move around, um, and you can make up half of the, like, objectives and stuff, and that was always really fun
2: for me. Cool. What about you, Yeah, um, yeah, I, I play a lot of video games. Um, for me, I'm not sure if this really counts as zombies, or kind of zombies, uh, it's a game called Dead Space, uh, Totally, is, totally, uh,
0: holy jeez.
2: Yeah. It's a like, it's a science fiction game that has like alien zombie mm-hmm. themes in it, and it's, it's terrifying. Like, if if you like body horror, that game is just. It's I stressful.
1: have never played a game before where I literally just deleted it. I was like, no, this <laughs> is too much. <laughs> that game.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: I I had to. I watched a playthrough at some point, but like, I got it. Like. And I entered that room with the babies, and then, like, there was just some broken, like, tanks. And I was like, mm-mm, no, this is, we're done here. This is too much. <laughs>
2: like, oh. oh, my God. I yeah, oh, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a part with the eyes that... <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: That's, that's nice like, a
1: it's a mix of, like, <laughs> Lovecraft and zombies, like. Yeah. Yes. It's
0: so good. Do you feel scared. like there's something particularly politically important in covering this material right now?
1: I think that um, stories like this, and I, I think I've said this before, so bear with me, and, or rather, don't bear with me, tell me to just shut up if I have, but um, <laughs> monsters in, like, different monsters tend to. not always, but tend to represent kind of different fears and issues that we have societally. Um, And I think that right now, and it's cyclical, right? So like we hit like some sort of industrial boom or some sort of like a tech boom or like something where we have a lot of advancement really quickly and we're kind of figuring out how to catch up as people. um, And we find that we have stories like zombie stories that kind of crop up. Um, And traditionally, it's not always like zombies the way that we think of them now because that was an invention of a few key people in film, but there are similar stories, right? And so we are Mm -hmm. at a point now where we kind of feel really out of control and kind of like we're zooming too fast and uh, we're kind of consuming our own tales, and I think that that's... uh, certainly politically uh, in this country and in probably England as well. Um, But I think that that makes zombie things really appealing (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: because (laughs) zombie stories are usually from the perspective of a survivor, right?
0: So Mm. you
1: want to align yourself with the person that will make it through this horrible, insanity, topsy-turvy, everything-going bananas you know, maybe not everyone will make it and a lot of people will just be caught up in this wave, but, you know, you'll make it. Um, and I think that's part of what makes Zombies appealing in general, but certainly right now where everything is just, you know, up in the air.
0: Well, one of the things that you said on, when you were guesting on the um, Sci-Fi uh, Who Won the Week podcast a well, while back with Danny Roth, not Danny, your sibling, but a completely different Danny who was also who was a on on former there. <laughs> coworker. Uh, Yes, us New York folks We're we're all sort of secretly connected Um, So what you were saying that um, You know, your comic, and I really having read the comic now, I I really see it Also looks at the way the burdens Of keeping up With the dangers of society and the world Are, you know, consistently Fall to be the responsibility Of people of color Like it's that they're the ones who are burdened With having to do So much of the hard work of survival On behalf of everyone else um,
1: and I think that that's – I don't know if that's uniquely American in terms of being a perspective, right? But, like, I think that's pretty clear in the world, especially in the way that we treat women of color in our society. Oh, thank you so much, black women, for coming and voting in Alabama and making sure that, like, that went well. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're – like, it shouldn't just be that. And that's not uh-huh. fair. And then whenever anything goes wrong – the first thing you hear is, well, where were black people? Where were this? Where was that? Where were the women? And it's like, doing our best. (laughs) um, And, you know, you get the, like, thank you, but in reality you don't actually get any of the rewards, right? So we expect women of color, especially uh, people of color, but women of color especially, to do all of this emotional and physical labor and we'll give them like a pat on the head and then be like, all right, but like, we'll continue to act in a way that is detrimental to you. <laughs> um, and so uh, I get really angry about that, uh, but you know, I'm not a politician. Uh, I can only vote, but I can also write about my anger and kind of write about what it's like to make a movement from really buying into this idea, because I mean, it's not that it's an attractive idea. It's just that it's a persistent idea. So sometimes you buy into it and, you know, writing a story about moving away from that idea and moving towards an idea of we all have to be in this together. And it's not, I won't stand for being the person that gets used to death. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, there will be some people that die <laughs> during the book.
0: I'm sorry, Emily. <laughs> we heard yeah, many, I mean, you know, it's in a zombie genre. That's going to happen. Like, I can't imagine that that yeah. wouldn't be the
1: case. That's also why the cast of characters is so big.
0: <laughs> oh. we don't necessarily know. So yeah, I guess like you have, you have, we have the law of conservation of characters. You know, as Robert Ebert explains it, if there's a character who you don't really know what they're there for, then they probably are the killer because you you know that's <laughs> Yeah, um, from them, yeah. Yeah.
1: One of yeah. the one of the smartest things I ever heard about uh, developing a character and stuff was uh, I think Alan Tudyk, uh, so he was Wash on Firefly, right? And apparently uh-huh. there was some sort of conversation where they were like, he and Whedon were like, let's make people really love this guy and then fucking kill him. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you always expect it. You always expect the killer or the victim to be the person that you are least invested in but I think that that is cheating if you do it too often so I, I can't guarantee mm. that you won't love the person that died I don't think I'm going to you know Game of Thrones it out that's too much for me that's a lot <laughs> but uh, I, I, I Emily and I have talked about this right and uh, Emily has come to love a lot of the
0: characters <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> and that's what I want I want everyone to kind of get a sense of who everyone is, because also what's important, right, is these characters, these runners, are all whole-ass people. Um, And one of the things that I think our society really suffers from is a lack of empathy and understanding, and it's really easy to just kind of write off someone's death or suffering if you don't know anything about them. Um, But there are all kinds of people, especially brown people uh, and queer people, who suffer all the time, and I want to put a face to that. I don't want. I don't want it to be easy. Uh, mm-hmm. I it's it's kind of two layered. On the one hand, in terms of entertainment, yeah, I want I want that emotional kind of punch. But also, I want people to understand that these are people. They represent real people. All people have wants and motivations and are funny at least to themselves, if not to other people. Like. You know what I mean? No one is a, the villain of their own story. Everyone, everyone is a person, and so if they're going to die, then that should
0: mean something. I think that's really, really important, and those dynamics are also really clear, even just in the one issue of, of The Wilds that we have so far. I,
1: yeah. uh, I really love the second issue, and I hope other people do
0: too. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. We'll get you covered. Um, <laughs> Yay! Now, this book has been selling so much, you guys are going into a second printing. What, when is that going to be available in the stores? Uh,
1: I think it actually will be uh, at the end of this month. So I think it pushed back the second issue coming out. I'm not 100% positive, but I believe that that's true. Um, and I can, I'll tweet about that when I figure out the specifics, but yeah, it should be, it should be at the end of this month slash the beginning of next month. Um, and it's, it's beautiful. Uh, Ben Templesmith's cover for that. Is
2: Ooh, oh yeah. It's great.
1: Yeah. We were, we were blessed. I, I blessed across the board, uh, Natasha Alterisi is doing the main covers and that was just each one is more impactful than the last, and uh Emily did the cover number one and maybe on some other covers on the series, which is really awesome, especially for me because I really love there's a huge difference, like you said uh, before, between sequentials and pinups, and I find covers are a third category. You can be good at sequentials, <laughs> you can be good at pinups and not good at covers, but I think Emily is incredible at covers her uh the cover for number one that Emily did is my banner when I go to like cons now. <laughs> nice, um, very And then uh, we had like a fill-in, uh, uh, Phil CV did a cover for number two, which is super duper duper awesome.
2: Mm, yeah, I love that. Um, one. That's that's one of my so Yeah, we're blessed. <laughs> yeah, we really like. We have so many amazing people helping us with this
0: insane. And this is a mini-series right now, yes?
1: Yeah, it's a five-issue mini-series. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention Jen Vaughn did uh, the uh, charity cover for number one for the series as well, Mm -hmm. uh, which is con-exclusive, can only be gotten at conventions that I attend, uh, and all of the proceeds go towards uh, Puerto Rico aid. Uh, But anyway, yes, five issues um, for now. Um, and hopefully, if it does well, if it continues to do well, uh, we might be able to convince Black Mass to let us do more. I would love to, and when Emily isn't busy, because she's about
0: to blow up, uh, I would love to do (laughs) more. Well, Emily, what is it that you have coming that's going to blow up and eat up all your life from now on?
2: Do tell. I don't know if you can talk about it. Can you talk about it? I can say who I'm working with. uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) I'm working with... uh, Super awesome guy, Pat Shand. We're going to do a book together uh, after the wilds. And then I'm working on a couple different pitches with people. And, you know, hopefully we can come back and do some more wild stuff. So, I mean, yeah, if the book's sold well, you can keep us busy for a while. So that's always good.
0: (laughs) Because, yeah, you guys are really starting something in a world where you could expand you know, to different parts of the compound if you need to or you know, tell a perspectives from people at the medical center instead or there's you know, it's a whole world you've invented. I mean, how much plotting and planning of world building do you guys have that you you know that you couldn't even put within the confines of a five issue series but that you needed to establish in order to be able to write this?
1: I have a full notebook of stuff. <laughs> um and Emily and I have been passing notes uh, back and forth uh, about just other stories. So the, uh, the current storyline will be wrapped up in the fifth issue. Um, uh, I hope to get more, but I never want to leave on a cliffhanger. I want to do complete stories. Um, but Mm -hmm. there is so much more to the world. Um, and I can give you a little hint of like some of the other stuff, but we see, uh, incoming issues, uh, some of what other people are doing and how they survive out there, um, which is really interesting to me. There's all kinds of other things out there besides what we see just in this series. Um, In fact, the, the narration uh, on the first page, each issue will have that first page kind of intro of like, this is a piece of what happened. Um, And that narration uh, is a specific character, which I won't spoil who, but, Uh, I didn't even know that. That's cool. I didn't. I I didn't send you that email. I have it all. I (laughs) handwrite notes like a crazy person. My notebooks are just full of nonsense, and so I have to transcribe everything as I go. So sometimes I forget to like send
2: stuff. (laughs) That's that's cool. I don't even. Um, Yeah, there's a bunch of other cool like. Like I mean, you have the compound, but there's like a bunch of different cool stuff, like the the Riverbend settlement that Daisy visits in the first issue, and then um, like Heather used to be part of. Can I can I say is that a spoiler or? Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's fine. Yeah, okay, yeah. Heather used to be part of a like a group called the Nomads, and so they would kind of live in the wilds. So yeah, there's a bunch of different stuff to explore in the world, um, just in like. The area where Daisy's from, alone. So, it's really cool.
0: That's exciting. Um, yeah, I think like it's hard for you know creators. You have so many ideas, but you also want to be able to have a, a, a real resolution and a complete piece to like make those decisions about what gets included and what is remaining in that notebook, so to speak.
1: <laughs> I could do this for sixty issues. So, <laughs> if they gave me mm-hmm. sixty issues, I could do it. But if I only get five, then it has been uh, an honor and a pleasure, you know. And I don't want people to be – I want people to be satisfied with whatever it is we're able to give them.
0: Well, I definitely think that we'll do that. Um, You know, Black Mask has a good reputation as a publisher, actually, of knowing how to do these sort of – these short season of comics, right, where you know how many there will be, how many to expect if it's a huge hit, then they, they'll bring it back for another season. And right. I think that that's sort of been a policy really of the publisher to sort of do its comic series that way. Hmm. Right. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. No, no problem. Um, well, I want to thank you guys again for joining us. And, um, Make sure that folks have a chance to plug any other upcoming things you have coming out with our listeners, Vita. you're writing all of the comics right now. Uh, what <laughs> else should our what else should our listeners be be uh, looking out to see from you?
1: So I've been teasing a project uh, the last few days that I'm working on with Lisa Sterrell and uh, Stella Bea and uh, a couple of other people. Uh, I'm not supposed to say what but I make all my announcements on Twitter for sure, and I have been kind of teasing it. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess <laughs> stay tuned. It will also be brown and queer
0: <laughs> and ladies. Well, I support I support things that are more brown, more queer, more ladies. So you uh, count me in for yeah. excitement. Definitely appreciated having the brown, queer ladies up in the front for the wild so yeah
1: I uh one of the things that I wanted to do was to make sure that no one everyone knew what they were getting right up front so the first issue I think is a really good indicator of what is to come (laughs) with the rest
2: Yeah. yeah for sure
1: and yeah, in, I think I uh, have to heard say sorry, too, because a lot of people have tweeted at me, actually, about the sex scene being like, ah, I didn't see that coming. So, sorry, guys.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I had to I had to warn my friends and family before they watch. Like, I oh, have this scene. Oh, there's a scene in the first issue that you should probably, probably keep your eye out for. Well, <laughs> oh, you know, I should have asked about that particularly.
0: I mean, there's so few... Scenes where you where you know that there are two women and that those two women are having sex, and you know I don't. It's not explicit in a way that like, I mean it's not no. It's not rated X. You know what I mean. This is rated R, right? No. And yeah, um, you know it's definitely a, it's a rated R comic, not a rated X comic, like you know, but people like are so censorious of female bodies having sex with other female bodies when it's not specifically designed to like titillate men, right? Like, and you guys are like having women having sex with women for their own sakes and not like for the sake of the, uh, the male gaze but it's definitely sexy and sensual and emotional and all those other things. I mean, did you guys have to sort of like, how has is, how, how is the, the conversation been with the public around that? I guess I forgot to delve into that particular moment, which, sad to say, is necessary.
1: Um, for, for me, I have not had anyone upset. I have just had people go, oh, I was reading this in public, and, and boobs, just titties. And I was like, oh, yep. And, but it's funny because no one has mentioned the violence. Right, oh, yeah. In that way. <laughs> They've just been like, and nipples. It's like, yeah, uh, but we blow someone's head off on, like, page five. <laughs> you yeah, know, <was> the <laughs> pages Cool with that. <laughs> uh, it was that a peaceful tasteful the... scene. <laughs> Tastefully drawn uh, sex scene, I think. Um, I, uh-huh. I, I I gave Emily a lot of, like, you know, you don't have to show anything. We can go art house about this (laughs) and like a navel and like an arm and like whatever. Uh, And Emily did the happy medium. And that is perfect. Um, It is like six panels long. It's like, it's not too much. I don't think, I think that it's a good indicator that these two women care about each other and are physically intimate. um, And will, you know, take their moment whenever they can get it because it's the end of the world, mm-hmm. but, like...
0: Yeah, it yeah. was unrealistic to not, you know, have lovers having sex, like, upon their very dramatic <laughs> emotional reunion. Yeah. And Daisy's, like, late, right? So if you're late
1: getting back, they assume that you're dead. You have a certain amount of time before they just write you off as dead, and she hadn't quite reached that, but she was definitely late, and so that was an emotionally charged moment. Um But... Emily, have you gotten any any shit for that? I don't.
2: <laughs> no, I've had people like actually like message me saying that they were like happy about it. It's like okay, like that's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. It was it was fun to draw. Like if I'm being honest, it was it's just like I don't know. It was just a nice moment, and I think like I think well, you like said... it can get.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. What? Go ahead. I was gonna say you, you said to me there were like two things that you really like to draw and it was like yeah. I don't remember what the other one is, but one of them was cute cute girls and I was like, Yeah, okay
2: <laughs> We yeah. that yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I I mean like I don't know, it's it, it's it's just really like I feel like at this point people are kinda like past like oh, my God, they're gay. Like, you know, it's fine. There's it's gay people in the world. They have sex with each other. It's okay. Like <laughs> I, so, I yeah, I don't know. True. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: hope so. But do you feel like sometimes people are more, like, or do you feel like people are more scandalized or less scandalized, like, when it's women? Because I think of it like there's so much sex between women presented as being titillation for men and women's bodies are like, we're much more comfortable having seeing nude women in like public situations that it's like, well, that's just part of art, you know, like women's bodies are just part of art, but like male nudity, they're going to be like, Oh, I mean, I just recently found out that um, there was a a single for one of David Bowie's albums in the eighties that had nude statues of Greek men on the cover. And that cover of that single was censored were sculpt for Grecian <laughs> sculptures of nude men like there's not even a real dude you know they were just like Ugh. people might see a penis and then the world would end um whereas you know like nude images of women and art are like considered completely just our bodies are for consumption so it's like totally fine so I don't know that's hard right now
1: I think there's a shift
0: Uh, Right now, in
1: terms of, like, people, like, just seeing, you know, two women together as titillation, I think, like Emily said, I think that that's not, I think we're moving away from that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that they were just more surprised that we showed, like, (laughs) the anatomy, and it wasn't, like, it just, I don't, that just seems to be the feeling that I've gotten from people. Uh, Mm -hmm. When I read it and I put it in there and then saw what Emily and Marissa did with it, I was like, wow, this, this is really, it's impactful. And very, like you said, it's like intimate, it's a very intimate moment. And I think people kind of are responding to that as opposed
0: to like being. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm definitely excited and like glad to have like, you know, more
2: art of like
0: legit, like women, you know, in love with women having sex in comics. So Please continue to make that a reality. It is important and matters. <laughs> so thank you, guys. Oh, thank you. So we're closing on the hour. Uh, do you want to let our listeners know where they can find each of you guys on the internet?
1: Uh, I'm at definitely vita on everything, Twitter and Instagram. That's that's vita. Oh, v I T A. Yep, yeah. definitely vita. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, I'm uh, at Emishly, and on Twitter and Instagram, so you can find me there.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining me, and I'm sure they'll both be on the show again sometime soon, because I'm really excited about the work you have coming up. Um, <laughs> so h- have a great week. And now for our listeners who are wondering what comes next to Graphic Policy Radio, uh, we're going to be back next week with something we haven't done for a long time. We're going to have a Comics Conversation Roundtable to discuss the Mr. Miracle series, the new one that's just coming up from DC Comics for Mitch Gerard and Tom King. we um, going to be geeking out about that with an exciting roundtable of comics critics guests really digging into the series at depth. Uh, it's going to be on issue seven by the time we're talking about it. Um, So, you know, get your reading caught up on, put on your literary criticism and art analysis hat, and join us next Monday to dig deep into some comics that we think are worthy of close analysis and consideration, and um, looking forward to having folks join us for that. And if you came to this episode late, you can still listen to the whole darn thing uh, on iTunes, (laughs) YouTube, I'm sorry, actually, yeah, it'll be on YouTube later, SoundCloud and Stitcher, all at Graphic Policy Radio. We keep it nice and consistent. Um, This episode will be up on our website in a couple hours. If you'll be able to download it then and get it on iTunes, please share. Please help us spread the show out and around. Um, And you can listen to it on Blog Talk Radio as well as on your favorite podcast platforms. I myself, I'm Ilana Levin, aka Ilana Brooklyn, and I am on Twitter at e l a n a underscore Brooklyn all the goddamn time. I was uh, just actually a guest on a wonderful movie podcast this past week. You can check out my episode on the wrong reel uh, talking about the Wicker man, one of the best cult (laughs) films bringing my 1973 knowledge into play. Um, So I, love for folks to check out that episode of their podcast and check out uh, the Wrong Rail podcast in general. It's a really good movie podcast for folks who are into cinema of the past and present as well. Um, And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you guys next week. And as we always say, keep it geeky.